welcome everyone to the stacks. Uh, this, as always, is Jay. And I'm Shanna. And this week we are talking first about Carol, the uh, 2015 film directed by Todd Haynes. I think this is one of the more recent ones we've covered and certainly probably the most uh, uh, well-received. This had a number of Oscar nominations. Uh, so back in 2015, I guess notably one thing right off the bat that was unfortunate to see is that this is a Weinstein Company film pretty Ooh. near to the end of their reign. Yeah, that was seeing that name plastered all over the opening credits was uh... yeah not a lot of names that you want to see there uh and especially with this film which you know it's 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 a queer film it's uh one that deals with a lot of identity issues and uh it's just unfortunate to see right i i bet weinstein wanted to fuck with it or did I don't know, because, like, Todd Haynes, I feel, is pretty below the radar. This is his most, like, mainstream film up to this point. Uh, okay. I, I guess before that, he did I'm Not There, the Bob Dylan movie, which is totally great. Uh, has, uh, among other people, uh, Kate Blanchett and, uh, let's see, uh, there's uh, Christian Bale. Uh, I think we got Jim James from My Morning Jacket, all of them playing Bob Dylan. Oh. It's a whole bunch of different people playing Dylan through different uh, points in his career and life. It's awesome. Great movie. That sounds cool. Yeah. That's the one he made just before this, I think. Or maybe, oh man, maybe he just had a really long time in between movies. Because I feel like that was like 2007. Eight years is a long time between movies. But maybe could be hard for an indie person like Todd Haynes to get financing. Yeah, it could be. Uh, so Carol is based on the novel The Price of Salt uh, by Patricia Highsmith, uh, who's more famous for writing The Talented Mr. Ripley and the other novels in that series. Uh, and it's it's sort of, from what I understand, semi-autobiographical and uh, partly based on like a fantasy she had uh, when she was working at the desk in a department store. Oh, Okay. Uh, oh, wait, no, I, I think there is a, a film in between this one and I'm Not There, because Far From Heaven is his other big one, and it's another retro one, but it's more uh, Douglas Sirk Technicolor, and it feels a bit more 50s, where this one sort of moves into 60s in terms of the visual style. Okay. Uh, this one has a, a lot of, like, I, I, I feel like it has sort of an Edward Hopper look. You got a lot of... Uh, early Cassavetes in terms of just the the shakiness, the expressiveness of the camera, a lot of just city isolation in terms of like the looks and feel. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Any any thoughts in terms of like the 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 visual style of the movie? Actually, oh yes, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I had almost forgotten about it, but one thing I noticed a lot of the time, there's a lot of. Um, I don't know if I'm using the term properly, but I'm thinking negative space in a lot of shots. Mm -hmm. Like there's. There's one in like, particular that I have in mind, but that's like kind of thematic right at the end. OK, like like where there'll be ones where you only see. Part of a scene like through a window and mm -hmm. most yeah, of totally. it's like. Yeah, or through it at a weird angle with something else in the way. So you 
only really see like it almost looks like a small window or like an individual comic book panel yeah um, totally for lack of a better way to describe it there's a lot of that which i really thought was cool and well used yeah visual compartmentalization uh, a lot yes, of things that's... kind of isolated into small spaces in the screen I, I think there's a lot of that that looks really interesting in this movie uh, and especially with uh, one of the characters being a photographer who is very interested in composition. Uh, there's a lot of compositional stuff that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie initially is set at Christmas. Uh, we start with uh, the the employees going into... I, I don't know if it says exactly which department store it is. Oh, um, shoot. Yeah, I don't remember. It's the It's like a cool old 60s New York department store. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, Rooney Mara plays Therese, who works uh, on the floor with the model trains. She's a big model train enthusiast, and she's a desk girl there. I, I really like that when we see them all going in, there's the guy giving out the Santa hat bonus uh, and just oh, yeah. droning over and over again. Compliments of the season from the management. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, so this is how our characters meet pretty much right at the beginning. Uh, Rooney Mara as Therese is working the counter, uh, and Kate Blanchett as Carol comes in looking for a Christmas gift for her four-year-old daughter. Uh, and Therese recommends a train set. Yes. Um, she recommends a train set, which I think kind of catches, uh, Carol off guard because she was expecting something else. Um, I don't know. At this point, I'm just looking at. Rooney I think Mara's perhaps outfit. especially, especially like as a gift for a girl, perhaps yeah. like a young girl. Oh yes. Especially yeah, in, in this time period where things are starting to get a little bit more gendered in terms of uh, toys, which wasn't really a thing prior to uh, the 50s and 60s. Uh, oh really? The, the sort of gendering of toys and children's stuff uh, became a lot more pronounced. Uh, during that era, kind of like especially uh, around the time of our childhoods. Okay, I didn't. I thought that was. I thought it was older than that. I thought it was always that, actually. No, I mean, like you can find a lot of pictures of like former presidents wearing dresses as kids. Huh, okay. Oh, yeah, like the like the old uh, Mister like Burns flashbacks sometimes. Yeah, totally. It's it's just kind of the gendering of children has become a lot more pronounced uh, at, at like earlier ages uh, in uh, in our culture, especially in Western culture, I think, uh, since, you know, circa 60s, 70s. OK, uh, yeah, I could see that. Anyway, like the big thing here is that uh, Carol accidentally, in quotes, leaves behind her very nice gloves. Uh, so she gets to yes. send them back. Uh, and get back in touch with her. She she mails them back ultimately. Um, yeah, it, I never I didn't read that as an accident, but now I think, or I mean, I did read it as an accident, but I didn't read it as a quote accident at the time. So, but I see how it could have been. Maybe, maybe like there there's yeah. definitely immediate chemistry. Oh, there. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's. I wasn't sure what to say about what they were actually talking about or anything, because that's the part that stuck with me is just how they were looking at each other and how they were talking to each other. I couldn't remember what any of them said. 
it, it's totally a romance and movie about looks. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's very much based in how uh, everyone's looking at one another. It's it's about eyes meeting from across a room. And like in multiple scenes, it's very much about that. Oh, there's so much of that. Mm-hmm. It's... <sighs> uh, so I like this movie. It's, it's an absolutely great movie. Uh, I, I think, you know, before we even get there, I, I know both of us would heartily recommend this. Um, at this point, we get a bit of background on what's going on with Therese. We meet her lame boyfriend. Jack. Jack. Oh, he sucks. Come to me. Come with, come to me with France, baby. Or, wow, come with me to France, baby. Go to France. Let's go to France. We, we held hands once, so let's go to France. We got to go to Europe and get married. Come on, forget your career and interests. Yeah, and she's just like, I, uh, yeah, I mean... Sure, I'll, I'll go to France with you. She's not into it. She's clearly not into going to France. No, but she's kind of been bullied along the concept long enough that it sort of seems like something that she's going to be doing. She just keeps not doing it because it's not something she's really interested in doing, but she can't put it into words at this point, I feel. Like yeah, she's just having I, trouble. I, like, she definitely hasn't determined who she is and she knows that something's missing but she doesn't know what it is yeah and and a lot of the movie is her kind of processing that and coming to a new realization of herself over the course of the film and like really right at the very end is uh when that sort of comes together Mm -hmm. uh we also meet uh her her boyfriend has a friend whose little brother works for the New York Times. Uh, and there's not much of him right at this point, but he is kind of important later on. Yeah, and it's it's not quite clear how he's going to be, especially since he doesn't show up again until much Real later. later on. Yeah, but he, he is kind like of I a significant... I forgot about him by the time he showed up again. Yeah. But yes, he is. Uh, and we also meet... We we also meet in on Carol's side of things, Kyle oh, Chandler's goodness. character with the most incredible name, Harge Aird. Aird. Okay, now when you name your child Harge Aird, it's like you know the old jokes how if you name your kid Jeeves, you're condemning them to be a butler for their whole life. When you name your kid Harge Aird, you're condemning them to be the richest, whitest affluentest most privileged asshole who harges harder than anyone else has ever harged and now harge could has three options when he has that name he can spend his entire waking moment convincing everyone he's not a rich white asshole he can change his name or he can lean into it and be the hardest harge that ever harged you and mean, guess what our Harge did? Uh, did he go Harge? Oh, he went Harge. Uh, it's an incredible name. Like, I I heard her say Harge. And I was like, Harge? Did I hear? And I looked it up on IMD while I was watching. And I had to pause the movie because I laughed so hard at it. Yeah, like, like um, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the sound of Harge because it does sound like a short. It doesn't sound like a immediately like a white guy's name, but then when you see how it's spelled, it's H A R G E, like he's Harge and in charge. Oh my Harge. God, it's charge without the C. 
Harge aired. Just it's so great. And and it's such a great old white money name. Like just mm-hmm. perfect. Really, really great. And and so he's already pretty like they're sort of going through divorce proceedings at this point already uh, over a past relationship with an Aunt Abby uh, that he makes a lot of kind of veiled references to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not quite clear. Well, yeah, it kind of is with the nature of the relationship. But Harge the implication is very thinks- clear. Well, yes, yes, it is. It really is. But it's not clear how. No, that's not even right. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm trying. Well, the to thing say. is, he thinks it's something that is still ongoing when it is not. Yes. That. OK, thank you. That's exactly that, what like, I was trying to get to. The two of them have remained close friends. They're confidants. They have a lot in common. Like they grew up together. They were childhood friends. Uh, but they did have a fling. And they like, well, that's not a thing. Like she says to him, Abby and I were over long before you and I were Harge. Uh, but like they had a brief fling. Uh, it, it comes out much, much later uh, when uh, when Therese meets Abby and Abby tells her about it, that they had just a very brief fling five years ago. And it just hasn't really been a thing since then that they're just friends. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the way Harge says to the daughter when she's like, oh, Aunt Abby was over. It's like, oh, you've been seeing a lot of Aunt Abby lately, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. The, oh, the implication he's... is very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's such a dick. <laughs> he, he is quite a dick. Uh, so Therese and Carol meet for lunch uh, after she mills back the gloves and they talk. Another one where I have no idea what they talk about here, but they're just... I'm just into it at the same time. I'm into the feel of these two people interacting with each other. Yeah, again, this is one where it is all just looks. I I don't really, like, there's really nothing notable in the conversation. It's just kind of them getting to know each other a little bit in very basic ways. Uh, And then we also see uh, Therese going to the New York Times, and we see her spurn New York Times guy's advances. I don't know if I caught the character's name, uh, the New York um, Times guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. All right, but like he tries to kiss her that night, but like he is also there to uh, encourage her photography. So like he's already better than her boyfriend at least, but he's still not the right person. Yeah. Yeah, like, but to his credit, he is a good person. He backs off when she's clearly not into it, and he doesn't really, he doesn't pursue it any further. No, and he continues to support her as well, as we mm-hmm. find out later. Yeah, so he he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see, uh, so Therese goes out with Carol again. They uh, go to get Christmas trees, and she photographs her in snowfall at a tree lot. A lot of really nice photography of snow. Oh, I love yes. snow in a movie. Oh, that 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 photograph though, the mm. way she's look like looking back at her. Great. Um. Oh right, yeah, because they have a discussion about photography and photographing people, and it, initially Therese doesn't really want to do it because it kind of feels invasive. Right. And Carol's just sort of like, go for it, or it, somebody says go for it. I don't know if it's Carol or New York Times guy. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but like she's into it. 
uh, and and they they do these photographs and they have kind of a nice day together out with the daughter. Uh, but then they go back to Carol's house where Harge shows up and makes a big scene. Yeah, it, um, something about how it's like I'm taking my I'm taking my daughter to our mother to mother's place and you should you have to come too. Yeah, he Who tries to make Tara leave store with him. Hussy. Yeah, it's it's kind of mustache twirlingly ridiculous, but you know he's. <laughs> His his masculinity is threatened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, very, very uh, sad moment of Therese just uh, crying on the train home alone. Yeah. Uh, very beautifully shot, but, you know, heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do talk on the phone pretty shortly after she gets home. Uh, they talk on the phone and they make plans to meet again right away the next day. Right. It, it's also interesting, like at this point, she's. We see lots of different times. I don't know if we've seen it yet, but throughout the movie, like she always immediately agrees to do anything with Carol and just kind of blows everyone off or just sort of everyone else off and just kind of is wishy-washy with them. But with Carol, it's like, yes, I'll do this. It's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And and she hasn't really admitted that to herself yet either. No, no. It it takes a while for her to realize that she's doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, I see it. We all see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- this is also where Harge moves for sole permanent custody on a morality clause. Oh, yes, yes. Um, now, is this the one that he blames on Aunt Abby, I think? Um, I, I don't I think, think he knows about. Well, it's sort of both because, you know, it, it's after he has come home and uh, found oh, yes. Therese there with her. Uh, so it's sort of, uh, oh yeah, I, the whole I, I feel point that's of morality clauses. Uh, Harge's lawyer is like, well, it indicates a pattern. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Although, although that scene I think is a, quite a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so. Yeah, that's I think the department the store, uh, him getting pissed off that there's a shop girl in his home, uh, right? Help is probably what pushes him to get this idea to pursue it this way yeah yeah i believe so uh and and meanwhile with therese her drama is like she's interested in doing something with her photography and she's kind of talking about that but like her boyfriend completely is uninterested he will not listen to anything about it and just kind of blows over that and is like well come on you gotta marry me and come to europe and uh, this yeah, not even like, you can take pictures in Europe. Just go to Europe. He does. I don't think he yeah. even knows that she's into photography. Well, despite she's her literally saying talking it. about it there, and he just kind of bulldozes over it, like he is just so uninterested in anything that she might want to do. Um, and she asks him, "Have you ever been in love with a boy?" He says, uh, "I don't know anyone like that." Yeah, yeah. This okay. This is a scene where I now I remember. Yeah, and he gets. He and gets it's weird about it. He gets really weird about it, and it's kind of the last we see of him until near the end. Like th- yeah. this is sort of like she's kind of done with him after this, mm-hmm. and and she decides to just go with Carol. 
Now, is this where the road trip starts? Not quite, because we also have a bit here where uh, Carol and Abby meet up. So we, we get to meet Abby and get a bit of an understanding of their relationship at this point. Uh, and, and Abby, like, clearly they're not in a relationship. She's talking about uh, buxom redhead that she's looking to get there. <laughs> right. Uh, and Abby is played by Sarah Paulson, who's uh, really great uh, in... Uh, the American Horror Story series, among others. I, I promise I'm going to watch that someday. Totally. It's so good. Well, it's so trashy, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's terrible, but it's always fun. Okay. I'm, that's, I'm good with fun. Well, it's like it sounds like Riverdale. It's a, it, it does sound pretty Riverdale-esque, having not seen Riverdale myself. Oh, oh, Hiram Lodge is hard-aired but like a comic book supervillain, a comic book regular villain. Right. Anyways. Um, so this is about where the road trip starts. Uh, Carol invites Therese to go on this road trip, and she accepts. I think they're going from New York to Chicago. Something, Something like, like that. that. They yeah. don't ever get all the way to Chicago. They they have to, They there, there are stops along the way, though. Oh, yes. Uh, Oh wait, no. There, there is. That's right. There is one more scene with uh, the boyfriend, fiance guy here, where she says she's going on the road trip, and he doesn't get oh, it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and she's like, "I got money saved up. Money you saved up for France. Money <laughs> like, you saved up for my dream." Yeah, and he all mopey, like, "What about my dream to own you?" But yeah, it, it does not work out. Uh, nope. She she goes on the, the trip with Carol. Uh, and we also, before we see much of their trip, we also see Harge going to Abby's thinking that's where Carol is. Uh, and we get to see her really tell him off, which was pretty satisfying. Mm-hmm. I almost forgot about that. But yeah, she shuts him down. She's like, go hard yourself. Harge. <laughs> Uh, so they stay in, they, they share the presidential suite in some small town uh, is like the first sort of moving together. They, they share a suite after like, they're, I think the first night they're in separate rooms and then the second night they share a suite. Uh, and then it's the third night when they arrive in Waterloo for New Year's. Oh yes. Okay. Waterloo. <laughs> uh, which you I just see the sign and laugh. Right. Uh, and so finally, and this is obviously a very leisurely movie. This is a slow, gradual romance. It is finally at the 75 minute mark that they kiss. Yeah, that, oh my gosh, is that the first kiss? Yeah, that is yeah, the it first is. Kiss. They don't even think about she, Yes. Yeah, like technically, it, it seems like Therese has not fully process the idea until that point like she's very very cagey about it up until then too and then and then i think it's right then where she's like take me to bed yes uh they, and then they, they do yeah there, there's a there's a whole sex scene in quotes like it's it's very tasteful uh very little nudity again it's mostly done with looks it's it's mostly focused on the eyes and you see just skin close together more than anything else i needed a cigarette <laughs> it's really great scene it's very beautiful it's so beautiful uh, it's so i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> no please 
Uh, I'm just going to say it's so beautiful. <laughs> that's that's all I'll do if you don't stop me. It, it is a very lovely scene. Uh, but oh, I, I guess we've got to mention this creepy guy that they run oh, into. Who's sort of a, third wheel. Yeah, who they, they meet the night before and who's like telling them all about what what was even his thing that he was he sells i sell notions right What's a notion i don't know that's just something that my boss tells me to say uh, apparently he sells magazines but he doesn't sell any of the ones that he wants he doesn't even open up his case to show them um which well, with good there's reason. a reason for that but we'll get there uh, he just shows up at their table, sits down and talks to Therese while Carol's off doing something else. And Carol's just like comes up and is like, excuse me. And then he just moves off to the side and so that she can sit down, clearly not getting it. But again, there's a reason for that. Right. So He's... the next morning after they kiss and so forth, there is a telegram uh, and Carol freaks out gets a gun <laughs> yeah oh yeah we forgot to mention therese found a gun in carol's briefcase but never really asked her about it or anything right well you know sometimes just you kind of put gun. it back yeah oh yeah turns uh, out you absolutely do you never know when you're gonna get harged in the night right so she has to she she busts into the room next door to them where they find this jerk this is the this guy who actually is an investigator uh, hired by Harge, who taped them uh, the previous night. Yep, and he's all like, oh, I've already sent it to Harge. Yeah. Uh, Nothing and, personal, it's just a job. Yeah, but he's such a snot about it, too. Yeah, so she points the gun at him. Right. He doesn't but, even flinch. Or does he? I don't remember. It doesn't I don't matter. think he does. She She obviously isn't going to shoot him and does not. She doesn't, no. She tries to shoot the uh, the tape recorder, which was in the briefcase. That's why no magazines, if you were wondering. Of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, but like, No, it's not. It, it doesn't even fire. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fire. I, either there was no bullets or she... This is obviously the first time she's ever pulled the trigger. Yeah. And she... It, it doesn't fire for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. It doesn't right. fire. And and like Therese blames herself for everything. Uh, she she feels like she was wrong for saying yes. Uh, of course, Carol will have none of that. Oh yeah, that that scene hit me so hard where she says, like I don't even know what I what I want and how could I when all I do is just say yes to everything. And I'm just thinking, Therese, you've said no to everything except Carol at this point. <laughs> He's like, mm, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know what you want. She, uh, she, she, her, her yeses are very specific, much more so than she seems to realize. Oh, yeah. uh, but Carol will obviously not listen to that. Uh, and, and she uh, kind of calms her down, but she does have to leave. Um, but the next morning she wakes up to Carol having left. Like they're, they're they spend the next night together and then, Carol leaves, but Abby is there to take her home. Yeah. Uh, so this is when we get a bit of their history. We find out about their fling uh, and sort of about that they've known each other since childhood and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And Abby is like, or Therese is like, thinks that Abby must hate her. And Abby's like, I don't hate you. I wouldn't come all the way out here for somebody I hated. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I feel like maybe Therese, like, I, I don't know if it's that she thinks that maybe there is still something between them uh, or that she is concerned about, like, her maybe having harmed Carol in some way by uh, having this fling. But, you know, Abby is very much a reasonable person and is like, no, don't be ridiculous. I just have resting bitch face. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, right? Yeah, kind of. Because she looks like she'd be... She does look like she's angry with her, but she's really not. She's just angry. No. <laughs> and angry I can relate to that. And kind just of the angry situation. angry at heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just an angry person. I feel that. Okay. You um, know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So this is when back at home, uh, she starts doing the photography again. They they have a, a long period where they cannot see each other. Uh, it, right. I, I believe it's around. Thing. Yeah, it's like four months or something. They're not allowed to see each other for three months. So in this time, we get uh, her kind of getting her t- photography. The New York Times guy uh, is, is very supportive of her work, and he helps her, I believe, get a job at the Times. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he introduces her to somebody there who hires her. He was mentioning at the beginning he was going to do that, but here's and where he, he actually through. does. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. New York Times guy's a good guy. Totally. Uh, and we also Jack see is Carol. still gone. Yeah, we we finally see him a little bit later on, but it's like I I guess he went to Europe, right? I guess <laughs> he stopped waiting probably. Uh, we, we also see a very awkward family dinner with Carol and Harge. Oh, and I guess Harge's parents? I think they're Harge's parents. They seem Well, like, it wouldn't be Carol's parents. I, I feel like they are the heirs. They're the heirs, yes. Uh, they're, very... They're the big, the big Harges. Yeah, it, it's, it's an extremely awkward rich people dinner. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the deposition, uh, where Carol sort of gets into the whole thing of like here uh harge is demanding soul custody and she's like she she's sort of what's the word uh she's she's defiant at first but she sort of crumbles just like look i admit i do want therese this soul custody is unfair to all of us it's unfair to rindy especially also weird kid's name rindy yeah um I, I I bet Harge picked it. <laughs> Rindy. I, I I wonder if it's short for something. I don't think I've heard a Rindy before. Neither do I, but I also haven't. Uh, you haven't hung yeah. out in a rich society in upstate New York, I guess. True. true. <laughs> I certainly haven't. And she's like, look, I will grant custody to you, Harge, but I demand regular visits. It's simply not fair to do it any other way. And he is sort of like he she gets through to him. He is visibly like, OK, I he, he does sort of realize what a Harge he's been. Yes. Yeah. By because he's been using Rindy this whole time to punish Carol. Right. And it's not fair to Rindy. Uh, yeah. And that's what Carol ends up 
basically saying like because that's what happened like that's initially why he went to find carol at abby's is because it was christmas and rindy wanted her mother uh and yeah. he had yeah, like taken her away from his marge she's always asking why can't mommy come why can't mommy come so yeah yeah she's yeah. miserable with him and he's just a miserable bastard mm-hmm. so yeah because in his mind if well mommy should be married to me and not divorce me because I'm better than being single. No, Harge, you're not. Harge is not better than being single. Well, I mean, Harge has a lot of money. He has a lot, a lot of, money of money goes money. a long it's, way. It's not clear how rich he is, but he's rich enough. I mean, he's he rich. He has a driver. His name is Harge Aired. He's His rich. name is Harge <laughs> Of course, what am I thinking? <laughs> I, I was just thinking, like in terms of Bezos money, but that didn't even exist right. back then. I mean, that, yeah, that's that's a that's a, that's that's a, a new invention. Thing. Um, yeah. Wow. So uh, it cuts forward a couple months, and and finally it's April where they're finally able to meet again. And interestingly, what they do here, uh, it's a replay of the very first scene of the movie. We had this one brief snippet of this scene uh, at the very beginning before we got everything else. Yeah, where it I was a little confused because I was like, oh, we already start with these two knowing each other. Oh, wait, no, actually, flash forward. All all right. I get it now. Yeah, and it's this was the scene sort of blank and awkward meeting, it seems. So it's like, hmm. Uh, And the way they look at each other, though, it's kind of. um, And then when Carol goes up to leave, she like the way she puts her hand on Teresa's shoulder, I'm just like, but this is. But when I saw it at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is the awkward moment where they're first kind of discovering they have feelings. And it's like, at this point, they're actually kind of rediscovering it. Right. But neither like, of them wants to. They they meet for dinner and Carol invites Therese to live with her. But Therese turns her down. Yeah. Which, fair. I haven't seen you in six months. Live with me and be my. Yeah. Th- that was girl? a little too much, know. a little too soon. It's yeah, it's it's she's like, oh, God, I don't know. Uh, and Carol does tell her she loves her, which is the first time it's said in the movie. It's kind oh, of a big shit. deal. Yeah. Uh, okay. But then Jack shows up. Before uh, Carol, oh, there's before that girl, Therese I know. is able to respond. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh, and you this should come to open. party with me. Oh, who's this? Oh, I'm a third wheel. Of... <laughs> but she she goes with him to the party because she doesn't really know how to answer the thing about coming to live with her uh and but carol's just kind of like oh no no you should go don't worry about me um she's very understanding she... like she does have another thing to go to because we we do catch up with her after this again mm-hmm. uh, but so she no. goes to the party uh but yeah. very soon after she goes to the party she exchanges looks with another pretty girl uh, and she approaches her. And this is when we have that the the really cool framing that I was particularly thinking about when you were talking about negative space. Uh, there's a scene where we see the two of them, uh, Therese and this girl, uh, isolated, talking together in one window at the far edge of the screen uh, with the rest of the party in just like like behind the wall oh, from the yeah, outside yeah. of the apartment building. Really cool. Just like them isolated that like that conversation is the whole of the party to her uh, and that like it, it's we, we don't see any of the conversation. We don't get any of the discussion. We just sort of get 
that it's sort of an extra moment of self-realization here. And uh-huh. Therese leaves the party to go find Carol again. And then she does. And their eyes and they make eye contact. They move, oh. No, yes, yeah, sorry. They, their eyes meet and they look at each other and then oh, cut the credits. Cut no. Credits. Cut to credits. But again, eyes meeting across the room. I mean, like that's, uh, that's it's like, big. That's, that's the really whole atmosphere of the movie. Pieces. Yeah. Uh, it's so lovely. Good. It's it's a very good movie. Uh, like it's so good. Really, really great. Uh, this was nominated for a bunch of Oscars at the 2015, or I guess the 2016 uh, ceremony. It did not win any of them, sadly. Uh, I think it lost in most categories to. Mad Max Fury Road, interestingly oh, enough. yes. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, so Rooney Mara as Therese was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, which is really weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though she's, I would argue, is the star of the movie, or like at least the co-lead. But that's a weird thing with the I'd say she's the protagonist, at least. She does seem like she has the the biggest arc it really seems to follow her from beginning to end more than anyone else she seems like the primary lead uh and which is especially strange because uh kate blanchett as carol was nominated as best actress for this yeah i think i don't think one or the other would be called best or like main and supporting role no it's a supporting role harge is a supporting role uh Abby is a supporting role. But yeah, yeah, both of them are pretty much leads. This is kind of strange, but they didn't win anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they got steamrolled. I mean, Fury Road is pretty great. I, I got to give it to the, like that one costumes over this. The costumes in this are beautiful, though. I think oh, that's something. Oh my gosh. I'm going to wear so many of those clothes. I'm going to like find them and like make them be mine. But I've got so many ideas. I want to be Therese. Those vintage seven or those vintage sixties classic like New York style, mm, really nice stuff. But it was never going to win costumes against Fury Road. No, no, exactly. Like and and deservedly, I mean that the the costumes of that movie are pretty incredible. Oh yeah, Fury Road is so good. It's it's honestly great. Uh, all right, is there anything else we want to say about Carol? Uh, like, um, the movie, the individual, just that, yeah, uh, just that how much I can relate to both of these characters, but in different ways. Like Carol has this whole speech. It's like where she basically, when she's convincing Harge, this is how it's going to be. But like, also it's unfair. And she says, I can't keep living against my own grain, which was I'll I'll do what you want, but I can't stop being myself. That is a really and that's, good one. And that's just like, wow, that's me. Mm-hmm, totally. Like, like I'll... Ah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty great. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, unilateral recommend here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is replaced in the stacks with Trilogy of Terror 2. Uh, oh, a very is, similar movie, I bet. <laughs> uh it's the it's a tv movie it's a trilogy of terror so it's three different short stories uh i think they might all be based on uh stories by a twilight zone guy i can't i i should know the name it's not coming to me Rod right Sterling? now 
No, a different guy who wrote a lot of episodes. I think it's Matheson. Oh, okay. I think it's, I think they might be Richard Matheson short stories. I know the first trilogy of terror were, uh, it was three Richard Matheson short stories, all starring Karen Black. Uh, and the most famous one features the Zuni fetish doll. It's this little African doll with a spear that, uh, comes alive and attacks her in her apartment. Oh, really the, famous. The Krusty the Clown. Basically, yes. Yeah. So uh, there is a sequel to that original TV movie trilogy, and the Zuni fetish doll comes back in it, but I don't think it has Karen Black because it's like the 90s. But maybe. Uh, And I I have not seen that yet, but I've been meaning to. It is from the same original director and stuff. Could be fun. Could be. All right. Uh, So... I think it's about time we move on to our second part. Uh, So our second film for the evening is Al Adamson's Cinderella 2000. And what a contrast. I mean, it's a it's a classic tale of romance as well. Uh, Sure. So (laughs) Al Adamson, uh, this is from the uh, Al Adamson collection from Severin, uh, the complete works of Al Adamson, more or less. Uh, Everything that I think. Uh, is not lost. I think there's a couple of his films that are considered lost. Oh, this is it's Cinderella 2000. So it is a mashup of Cinderella and 1984, but it's set in 2047 uh, where sex has been outlawed by big brother. (laughs) And it's basically a script adapted from 101 horny jokes for uncles. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> uh, like, I, I don't really know. Th- this is totally not a plot movie. It is just like, you've got your Cinderella plot and you've got your 1984 plot and you kind of just mix those together and have a lot of really, really long sex scenes. And, like, and, and a lot of really long scenes that aren't sex scenes at all. Well, there's a lot of long musical scenes about sex. There's that long fight over a vibrator. Oh, that. There's an endless fight over a vibrator by uh, the two evil stepsisters who end up not really being all that evil, to be fair. They're kind of weirdly supportive but catty of Cinderella. They're they're like real sisters. Yeah, they're they're just all horny. That's kind of everybody's issue in this movie. Everybody's just way too horny. It's a movie about just like everybody being so incredibly repressed, even the robots. Even the robots. Um, I I guess that's the best character to start with, the fornication robot, right? uh, Yeah, the fornication robot. He he reminds me of an even lower budget version of the, uh, the robot assistant from Power Rangers. Alpha. Like the original season. Yeah. Like, an even worse version of that. All he does is he goes around pointing at people and screaming, fornication, fornication, fornication without regulation. You're dirt. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And because. Well, so like if, if people are having sex, Big Brother will come on like their video screen and shout at them and say, hey, you got to stop doing that. Sex is illegal. You're, this is not cool. Sex is bad. And then if they don't, he'll send the robot in to shriek at them personally. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> it's but, my absolute um, favorite line in the movie. You're too late, robot. You already had late. sex. 
<laughs> and then the robot's just like, oh, he just, just waves off and is like, ah, oh, crap, and walks away. Doesn't arrest them or anything. Like, my one of my favorite sequences early on is the first time the robot just, like, busts into someone's room and they're having sex. And it just, like, screams fornication, 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 and just, like, goes back and forth across the back of the screen, like, doing a bad version of the robot. (laughs) (laughs) This, This robot tries to dance the robot, but it can't do it. No, ultimately, it does have a huge country dance showstopper, though. Oh, it's it's kind of amazing. Like it's um, a gigantic country musical sequence where it's singing about how it can't have sex and doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, complete with backup dancers who show up out of nowhere, and and then it switches into like another genre for a bit. Of course. And then goes back to. It's like probably about seven minutes long. It's it's a huge epic. Like the robots musical sequence is the biggest musical sequence in the movie. Yeah, yeah, much bigger even than the bunny one, which is <laughs> Oh my god, the bunny one. Although we get the bunny one twice. Yes, that's right, true. Cuz it comes back at the end. Uh so I guess just basic overall plot for in terms of the Cinderella part, uh we have Cindy uh who <laughs> is in like ridiculous burnt up tiny clothes and like her evil stepsisters and stepmother are dressed up like they're in a Dr. Seuss movie. Like they have big <laughs> triangular hair. <laughs> they look like who's. They look like who's. <laughs> they look like they got their presents stolen by the Grinch, not their not their vibrator. Pleasure stolen by <laughs> Some weird Tobias Funke, Dr. Robotnik, Vault Boy hybrid. 100% Vault Boy. Okay, so Big Brother looks exactly like Vault Boy. He has the Vault Boy costume. It's like even the same colors. The Yep, the, the white or the blue, uh, the blue jumpsuit with the with the yellow stripe in all the same places. The only thing it doesn't have is the vault number on the back because but he's he's Vault Boy. And he, he even has a porn like, vault later on. We learned that he has a vault full of porn. Yep. Um, it's it's like we're, it, at times it feels like we're watching a This Ain't Fallout triple X type thing. It's, it's the, okay. I, I wasn't high when I watched the movie, <laughs> but I was high when I was done. <laughs> Got high on life watching this one. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things to call out, uh, Renee Harmon plays the evil stepmother. I don't know if you've ever seen anything else Renee Harmon has done, but I will make you watch all of her work. Cause oh, gosh. Renee Harmon is amazing. So uh, she's the evil stepmother for exactly one scene where she's being evil and stepmotherly, and all the rest of the time, she's you're getting... Just, you're just songs about her being horny. She gets so horny, she has to be hospitalized Twice! twice. She's hospitalized for the hornies. And like we, we we are saying the hornies like a joke, but that's actually what they say in the movie. She has a song where she's talking about how she's got the hornies uh, so bad. <laughs> it's, it's a, a really long condition. sequence. It's a medical condition. They uh, send some guys to take her to the hospital and uh, they use 
what is it like a pleasure laser or something? Yeah, some kind of a laser to try to extract the hornies from her, and it doesn't work. She's too horny. She's too horny. There's only uh, so then, of course, the only way that it, that they can remove the that they can cure the hornies is for all three of the uh, the guards guards to have sex with her at once. Of course. Oh, and the, nobody knows how to have sex in this movie, and every time anyone tries to, the music is just hilarious. Like, like, like animal noises. Weird, yeah, animal noises, or sometimes it's like a bargain basement Benny Hill. <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's kind of an idiocracy future. It, it has, oh, yes. It, it has the feel of a world where everybody has become so stupid that society barely functions anymore. It's just kind of running on the fumes of what existed before. Well, even the fairy godfather says, why would you even want to save this planet? Why would, why would you want this civilization to continue? See, I have the exact line. It's what a useless planet. Why would anyone even want to make love here? Oh yes. Okay. (laughs) Fairy Godfather. godfather. Uh, is the one who teaches Cinderella about making love and the difference between that and fornication. <laughs> through in the winning. most insane scene in the movie. So he's got a magic wand that looks like his, uh, maybe his four-year-old daughter made it for him in kindergarten. It's got so much glitter on it. It's nice and pink. It, it's made out of construction paper. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, look at those bunnies. And yeah, there's, and there's these two bunnies, bunnies getting it on. Just, just like real bunnies. Yeah. Or no, they stop actually. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, damn it!" So and then here's where I just lost it, and <laughs> I was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I just kept posting picture after picture into our group chat, um, because I just had no other way to describe this movie other than just pictures of the ridiculous things i saw because i didn't think anyone would believe me otherwise so, so the very godfather turns the bunnies into humanoids with bunny heads <laughs> yeah yeah like 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 furry fursuit bunny heads a really creepy proto fursuit bunny heads i would say yeah um and then they start they got to get they it on fucking. they got to demonstrate for her <laughs> Yep, and then it turns into this uh, big musical number. Um, the, the this creepy goat head person shows up, and like a I don't know a bad or a cat maybe or something. Is there a cat and, humanoid? And um, I don't those know. weird aliens with like or or whatever they are. Maybe they're just supposed to be dancing flowers who are brought to life by the fairy godfather. I'm not sure, but well, they, they came seem out of to the have... ship with him. So I guess they're, yeah, maybe to... it doesn't they matter. Have they... on their stomach. There's no explanation given for these things. They have like belly mouths, but like, yeah. it's, it's just clearly body paint. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the budget for this movie was about $47. <laughs> Seems like, <laughs> And these these things are in all of like two shots, but like it looks They're like memorable. a scene from it. But it looks like a scene from maybe The Wicker Man with all these animal head creatures dancing around in circles. But then with these two things, yeah, these off to the side blue things, <laughs> and, and the movie never focuses on them. 
but they're, we, they're we never really get in, what that's about. It's just yeah, if they're stuff. anywhere, they're in the background. Yeah. They're never acknowledged by anything. They're just there. Uh, so there's what, what's the punishment when uh, people have too much sex illegally? Oh, yes. You become miniaturized. Uh, you get put on this table and you get shrunk down with a laser and turned into a Barbie doll. <laughs> and then six months later, it lasts for six months until it wears off. And then that's I guess that's it. You, yeah, you just you, go back to normal size and you go about your business. Yeah, a, a six month six month shrinking punishment, which sounds like a fetish video. Like yeah, it probably the, this, is. I, I feel like this movie is incredibly ahead of its time in terms of how many weird niche fetishes it just sort of bulldozes through on its way to its story because it's completely baffling all the way like we have a gangbang scene with the seven dwarfs around here as well yep and that's not connected to anything that just it's connected to nothing it's just oh hey how about the seven dwarfs gangbang snow white so long you don't see anything all you see is snow white's face and you and you just hear the dwarves voices in the background like oh no get out of the way no i'm supposed to go over here and, oh, and like, oh, all their oh. very silly, like, makeup and hair appliances and noses and ears and stuff. They they look very ridiculous. And, and I'm waiting for this to somehow get connected to something because it's, like, another one of those, like, seven-minute long scenes, and it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It was just there. Uh, but so the, the big plot is, uh, obviously, we have Cinderella going to the big ball uh, in this case. Uh, the vibrator gets turned into a car. <laughs> it, it kind of weirdly, weirdly, I like it. It isn't a good looking car, but it's it's kind of cool. Looking. Weirdly cool for this for everything else that's here. It sort of looks like a mini DeLorean in a weird sort of way. Kinda, yeah. It's DeLorean esque. Uh, it's clearly not a working prop because <laughs> he the, teleports it. He has to teleport it to the location, which she never actually drives the thing. Yeah. Uh, but she does hit it off with Prince Charming, and they have sex, of course. Uh, and he gets arrested for them having sex, and she just kind of walks away. <laughs> yeah, she just is like, and, and Prince Charming is like, hey, you know she's getting away, right? And they don't even look. Uh, so, and, and about this time as well, the spell wears off. So she, right. So, kinda... so the two guards are just holding the vibrator <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> and discussing what to do with it as she walks out completely like not naked, but wearing her like two strips of cloth. So, you know, her two strips of naked. like burnt, dirty white cloth. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is her traditional around the home Cinderella outfit, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, when Prince Charming gets out, uh, how is he to find her? He doesn't have a shoe to fit. <laughs> no, he has to fit something else. So we have this other scene, and this is... So like what a... would the 101 Horny Jokes for Uncle's book prescribe here? Well, so he's got to just have sex with everyone until he finds, you know, the one who fits. The right one, the the, the right fit. Very yep. ridiculous. Um, um and, and this course, scene is like him just having just him going in and out of rooms and like quickly it's all fast motion like fast forwarded um like more like circus music playing as he's just 
going, going in humping, going from going from room to room. Uh, he's just so exhausted by the time he gets to Cinderella's room or the, the stepmother's house. And everybody there is incredibly horny. <laughs> yeah, the, the stepmother's got to be taken away for the hornies again. Yeah, of course. Renee Harmon, uh-huh. I stan. And also, we eventually we, we also have to deal with the big brother issue now because we have two different plots. We, we can't just resolve the Cinderella plot. We also have oh, to resolve yes. 1984. Now, unlike in 1984, here it's clear that big brother is a real person and he's vault. He's dressed like Vault Boy, but yeah, he looks and acts kind of like he 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 reminds me of uh yeah Tobias Funke crossed with Doctor Robotnik, and he, he I love the acting of the big he's brother. He's very guy. oblivious. He's he's yeah. comically oblivious all the time. He, yeah, that that's why I think of Tobias because he's always just. The same really sort of seem... comical obliviousness. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. I just blew myself. Like you can see him <laughs> saying that. You could totally see this guy saying that. Yeah, but he's he's really repressed too. And, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously, <laughs> that's why he has made sex illegal for the entire planet. Well, I mean, I guess technically the idea is that it's an overpopulation thing. Uh, it's. Also notable, and we we didn't really dwell on it, but this is set in 2047, so this is a this is the future of 26 years from now. Well, at least they seem to have solved climate change. I guess. I mean, I guess that was the uh, the thing with the overpopulation that they just like, okay, no more people. <laughs> yeah, and the only but of course there's the only way to prevent people is to outlaw sex, not like sure. you know. Because not education. Clearly, not that's education, not going to work. And education not, is clearly not what they did here. Yeah. Oh, God. Everyone's so dumb. But he but he has a secret vault of illicit confiscated goods that, you know, he goes in and he looks at it and he just looks at it. He, he just know looks what to at do. it. He can't like he can't quite figure out what it's about. You know, like going back to our, our first film. It's kind of like Therese just like kind of processing it. It's like, this is interesting. I, I'm, I'm interested in this, but I don't really I can't quite put together how this works. Uh, there's a great shot of him reading The Joy of Sex. <laughs> just the, the expressions on his face as he reads it. Like, hmm. <laughs> so so to solve the, the problem of Big Brother still banning all of sex. What they do is Prince Charming and the fairy godmother and Cinderella teleport into his porn vault. Of course. And they have to teach him the joy of lovemaking. So while Prince Charming and the fairy godmother watch, (laughs) Cinderella. Fairy godfather. uh, Yes, fairy godfather. Cinderella um, goes down on. Big brother. Well, he makes all the facial expressions you could want him to. <laughs> a lot, of, like it's mostly we we just watch him making silly faces for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's how that's how you save the world. That's how you save the world. Uh, <laughs> it's so much fun. Like this is, I there there is. This is absolutely a bad movie. This is a very Oh, it's bad not movie. a good movie. It's extremely badly made. It's one of the cheapest looking movies in the entire Al Adamson collection. Big Brother's it's, Dictator fo- Throne is made out of styrofoam. Like literally it is just a bunch of styrofoam blocks. 
It's styrofoam blocks. Like it, it's like when someone makes a, a a throne out of beer can boxes. It looks exactly like that, but styrofoam. Uh, and also, you can see the the fornication robot when there's a close up. You can see him in a styrofoam mask under the helmet, which is also pretty funny. Uh, and I but bet it's really uncomfortable to wear. Oh, it must have been so uncomfortable. A lot of these costumes do look like they were not fun to wear. But everyone is so game. Everyone is having such a good time making this movie, and it's kind of infectious. Oh, I was grinning from ear to ear from like. Well, from the first time the robot showed Jumps up until... And he starts screaming fornication? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> like, like I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I, I, In a weird way, like, it's not a good movie, but if you're okay with that, I recommend this. Yeah, totally. Like, the biggest problem I'd say it has is that it is too long. Like, a lot of the scenes are way too padded. Uh, it's probably best as a movie to watch with people... Uh, to maybe have on in the background to watch certain scenes. You might want to scan forward a bit, but it's kind of fun just to watch the scenes ridiculously and endlessly play out. Just like, especially that huge seven minute country dance sequence with the robot, just how it just endlessly just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's like, I can't believe the scene is still happening. (laughs) Or like, we didn't even mention that lesbian sex scene that just goes on forever. It's like, who are these characters? people for the robot to arrest i guess i guess so there's a lot of that you're too late <laughs> you're too late robot ah, we already drag. had sex i want that on a t-shirt for real <laughs> that's awesome yeah but yeah great stuff and like it, adamson is totally an acquired taste to begin with i really love adamson his work is very specific and very weird uh very exploitation very 70s but it's but this so, is a weirdly innocent it's uh, so innocent. exploitation like it, like it's all about sex but it's so it, it's like at a grade school level they, they call it doing it they call it sometimes doing it. it's very cutesy i mean there are so there are multiple songs about having the hornies it's yeah cute. there's a there's a scene where like they're they're looking at picked crude drawings that look like caveman photos or caveman paintings of people in different sex positions and it's like oh how do we do that oh i don't know that one looks like it would hurt how is that even possible hmm. and they're just studying these things while trying to figure out how to have sex yeah uh overall like yeah i i would say it's kind of an adorable bad movie and and one that yeah i i would recommend it as it's it's one you kind of have to see just to understand of what we're talking because there's just so much we we, we're only even touching on a few of the things because it's a long movie it's almost a full two hours yeah and it's just packed with nonsense uh and just cheap sets the cheapest sets and costumes and everybody like the performances are committed in their silliness I really love the fairy godfather, especially. I'd say he's my favorite character in the movie. Uh, very funny, kind of loose performance for him. Yeah, I, I I think my favorite is Big Brother, or whatever his actual name is supposed to be, because it's not Big Brother, but it's Big Brother. Big Brother Triple X. Uh, yeah, and, and of course, Renee Harmon, 
my favorite. I, I love <laughs> Renee Harmon so much. I, I really have to get you to watch Frozen Scream at some point, which is one of the most incredible film experiences ever. It, it's just completely mind-bending. I've never seen anything like it. It felt like my brain was falling apart while I was watching it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, any last thoughts on Cinderella 2000 before we move on to our final section? No, that movie is a movie that gets rid of thoughts. You just don't think about it. Yep. Don't try to analyze it. <laughs> just just or, roll with it. Or, or only try to analyze it if you've sufficiently partaken of uh, an amount of THC to, to get you to the right plane to be on this film's strange level. Yeah, I, I wish I had gotten high before watching it, but next time <laughs> i don't i didn't i didn't necessarily have to no indeed like it, it's crazy enough on its own but if you want to try to think about it deeply you might want to uh indulge <laughs> all right so we'll move on to our final section all right uh so we will go on to our movements this week uh not a huge amount uh but i did watch a few fun things uh, so first thing uh, from my recent Vinegar Syndrome order, uh, I watched Killer's Delight. I think this is the last one I talked about at the end of last last week uh, being added. Okay, yeah. Uh, so this is so. this is a movie about a small town Southern California police officer who has very little support because it's just a tiny little, uh, you know, kind of tucked away uh, county. Uh, and he's trying to track down a serial killer who's targeting hitchhikers. Uh, he's got a panel van. He seems to be abducting from the local pool. He's directly taunting the guy, but he just has no support and he can't really track the guy down. Uh, it's got a lot of different influences. The, the character is, like it said on the box, that he's very heavily influenced by uh, the Ted Bundy case. I'd say there's also a lot of the Zodiac and Hillside Stranglers cases in there as well. Uh, very pulpy, but uh, pretty good. Like, uh, pretty accurate to sort of the way serial killer policing was done at that time, which is pretty interesting to see. Or wasn't done. Kind of mostly, it is about how it wasn't done and how there's just this one guy who's trying to do it, but he has no support from anyone. And, like, he he's pretty much gotten... He, he's really done a lot of work to figure out what this guy's doing, but he's got so little support that he can't even, like, watch the guy he he's pretty sure that it is. Oh, yeah. So that so kind of stuff. That Yeah, that, that happens a lot. It's pretty hard-edged. It's got a very bleak ending, uh, but it's, it's quite solid. I, I'd say it's uh, very well done. Uh, I also watched The Great Gabbo. <laughs> The original evil ventriloquist movie from, I think, 1929. Uh, uh, this, a person's name. A yeah. person named Gabbo. person named Gabbo. So Gabbo is the name of the ventriloquist in this rather than the dummy. And it is the ventriloquist who's evil. He's this megalomaniacal ventriloquist who, he is a genius. Like, he's clearly unbelievably, impossibly good as a ventriloquist because... Uh, Otto, the dummy, 
moves around, can talk on his own, can move on his own. He seems to be a supernatural being, but we are never led to believe that in the movie. Kind of like, well, okay, obviously the gamble from Simpsons was very directly based on this, but kind of like that. Kind of like it's it's like he's supernatural, but the movie is never trying to pretend it's supernatural. It's just trying to pretend that he is such an incredible ventriloquist that he's able to make this work all the time. But he lives in like an ongoing relationship with the dummy all the time. Like the two of them are just having conversations all the time. They go out and publicly eat dinner together and have conversations. (laughs) It's so weird. Uh, there's a bunch of musical sequences. Uh, he He's just very bad tempered. Like Eric von Stroheim was one of the big cinematic villains of the 20s and 30s because he just is this very, um, very arch, very angry looking German man. He's very serious looking. He has a monocle in everything he does. <laughs> And like he was a big film director during this period, but he kind of became bigger as an actor because he just has such a stern screen persona. Uh, But yeah, it's great. I actually totally love it. It's not very well respected, but I don't know. It's just such a weird time. Like it's one of the earliest pieces of psychotronic cinema in in a way. When did this come out? 25? 29 29 almost 100 years ago almost 100 years ago so it it is a sound film but like early early sound film so it's a little rough uh in in that regard like and and as well like you don't get much in terms of the cinematography because the cameras were giant and immovable and made too much noise and stuff uh i also watched i bought a vampire motorcycle which i talked to you a bit about while i was watching it because that movie blew my mind yeah, yeah, a few of them uh, that that we're going to talk about in a bit here. Um, yeah, you were already talking to me, and I'm kind of sold on them already. Yeah. But sell me it's, on it's, them now. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough to choose which one ultimately. So yeah, uh, I bought a vampire motorcycle. Stars Neil Morrissey, who's best known these days as the voice of Bob the Builder, uh, at least the UK voice of Bob the Builder. He's been doing the voice since the 90s. Uh, He has so many credits as Bob the Builder on IMDb. Like, he's clearly just living off that every day now. Uh, So he buys a motorcycle, which has been inhabited by a vampire demon. uh, And the motorcycle will turn into a monster cycle and go on killing rampages at night and, like, shred people to bits and drink their blood. Uh, and then Most we've got motorcycles run on petrol. This one runs on blood. I, I'm just looking at the tag blood. lying on the letterbox page. Hell yeah. Uh, Anthony Daniels, best known as C-3PO, is the priest who he enlists to help exercise the demon from the bike. Uh, I, I want to just bring special notice to the poop scene. There's a scene where <laughs> Neil Morrissey's on the toilet and he has a poop. And it it starts talking to him and he looks in the toilet and the poop has a face and a mouth. And they actually put like a poop prosthetic on a person. So they have him talking as a piece of poop. And then they also built a little poop monster that jumps out of the toilet into his mouth that he has a fight with. 
and like this is not a scene in the movie it's just a random one-off dream sequence like so much work <laughs> to just go into this scene like that alone sells me on how crazy this movie is good stuff okay. yes. it's a recommend uh i watched hollywood chainsaw hookers <laughs> this is a movie about a cult of hollywood sex workers who are a cult of chainsaws they they get off on picking up johns and dismembering them with chainsaws brutally uh and their their cult is led by gunner hansen who famously of course was leatherface in texas chainsaw massacre uh and it's kind of a noir parody so you have most of it told from the point of view of like this private detective who's tracking them down but uh he's really bad at it and it's really goofy and silly it's it's pretty fun is this the one that that had john stamos no uh that that i don't actually uh, have on disc yet but i will soon oh okay okay uh i also watched the sect which is produced by dario argento and it has a very similar style to argento uh i don't know which argento you've seen you've seen suspiria right i can't remember because it's a name that which which movie is that so it's like this, I, I know the name but i can't associate a, a movie with it it's an incredibly colorful movie like it's it's a slasher horror giallo type movie uh i think it's set in west germany uh it's it's got very elaborate lighting it's about this girl who goes to a dance academy and there is a witch who runs the dance academy I don't know if I have. It doesn't sound familiar. I don't think I have. We did it for movie night sometime, but if you have not seen uh, Suspiria, we definitely need to watch it in October because it's one I watch every October. All right. Uh, but anyway, Argento is known for having really amazing visuals. Uh, a lot of uh, very interesting color gels, very uh, expressive camera angles, a lot of really interesting composition. Uh, and as well as having really extreme, crazy gore, like sequences, just like really elaborate gore sequences. A lot of his stuff has been copied uh, by more recent uh, American horror films. Yeah, so this movie is very much in the same style. It's produced by him, but not directed by him. Uh, it's very similarly, very built on dream logic, but beautifully lit, beautifully shot. Uh, and it's just a pile of crazy things. It's about this cult who have discovered a portal to hell in the sewer system. And I think the devil is a giant predatory bird. And there's a sex scene with the bird. At some point they use prehistoric insects that they've somehow managed to recreate from the dawn of time that uh, they use to control brains with. Uh, the main girl has a magical pet rabbit who rescues her several times. It's bonkers. Great. Oh, Great. my God. This sounds like my jam. <laughs> it's it's awesome. Just uh, throw a bunch of as much random shit as you can into a movie and you'll have me hooked. <laughs> totally. I mean, like there's bonus points if you don't week. make it make sense. Yeah. Uh, next one I watched is Dark Star, which is uh, I'm starting on my uh, watch through of all of John Carpenter's films. Uh, so Dark Star I, is. Please go ahead. I I've only seen well I've seen a lot but I certainly haven't seen them all. 
Indeed. And there's a couple that I've never watched, but most of them I have seen. But so I'm, I'm excited to see the few that I haven't as I go through. A couple of the early ones are ones that I have not seen. Uh, Dark Star, I have seen a number of times before. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Dark Star. I think more than most people. It's almost more of a Dan O'Bannon movie. Uh, Dan O'Bannon more famously made Alien. Uh, oh, like he okay, okay. he kind of came up with the original concept behind Alien uh, shortly after he had been working on Hodorowski's Dune, which sort of all fell in. Uh, so it's kind of Alien. It's Alien as a comedy. It's these dudes. It's it's three dudes who are in this commercial uh, space vessel, and they're far far from Earth, too far for them to send them anything. And it's just kind of this riff on space exploration under capitalism so it's these guys who go from their their job is to blow up planets with huge nuclear bombs and the bombs have artificial intelligence so they can talk with the bombs and have conversations so there's a one of the big plot points is one of the bombs accidentally gets a couple wrong signals and so they have to have a talk with it to talk it down from blowing up inside the ship because it refuses to believe the reality of its surroundings. Uh, it's, it's like a stoner movie in space, but it's very dark. Like it's very much about how, uh, just how right. dehumanizing living in space would be. Cause it's just these three poor schmoes who live in this tiny little space vessel. And that's the entirety of their world. And they're just trapped in there for years. And that's just their job. And one of the guys didn't even like, it's not even his job. He just kind of act put on the costume and got pushed into it. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Kind of thing. Yeah. Like I'm not even supposed to be in this job. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. It's it's great. And there is a sequence with a, an alien life form that a lot of it was borrowed for how alien plays out, except in this version, it's a completely ineffectual beach ball with claws on the bottom. And that's all like it literally is a beach ball with spots drawn on it and it has claws at the bottom. It's the cheapest looking thing you've ever seen. I, I, I think I might have seen this thing. Oh, you may have. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I don't know if I've seen the movie, but I think I might have seen The Alien. It is possible that you may have seen the movie with a movie night, because I know we did do this as a movie night back in the day when uh, we used to do them with uh, Pags. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, that was... Uh, it was a couple years back at least, but I, I think we did it in the latter days. So this is... A, we we a lot of our, our early uh, movie watching together was in a mutual movie night thing that we did for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And then, but that was back in the before times. That was back in the before times. Uh, I last know one what I... the after time's going to look like. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of movie watching. <laughs> well, there will be that at least. Um, hopefully air conditioning. I sure hope so. The last one I watched <laughs> is Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Uh, which is terrible. <laughs> That's the one Shatner directed uh, after Nimoy directed three and four and was, you know, did a really great job with them and made a ton of money. Shatner was like, well, uh, I wanted to direct one as well. And uh, they oh, kind of, now... it, it was a contractual obligation. So they're like, I guess we'll let you direct this one. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's not, terrible in terms of the direction it's it's totally competently directed i think 
the problem is the plot. So it's really fun for about half an hour before the plot starts. The first half hour is just weird, pulpy nonsense. Uh, It's there's a three breasted cat alien. There's like a Moss Eisley spaceport type thing. There's a whole bunch of desert shenanigans. Uh, Uhura does a nude fan dance. Uh, You get to see Kirk free soloing El Capitan, Kirk, Spock and bones go camping together in yosemite national park and sing row 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 your boat and drink whiskey all of this stuff is great uh and you know it it ends up with kirk on the bridge of the enterprise with like a novelty t-shirt with a slogan that says go climb a rock on it (laughs) why is he climbing the rock to hug the rock i didn't do it right (laughs) uh there's also what does god need with a starship (laughs) (laughs) so that's the plot is unfortunately at about the 40 minute mark the enterprise gets hijacked by a religious zealot named cybok who's a crazy vulcan who's looking for god and he takes the enterprise to go find god and encounter him and that's the rest of the movie and it's a drag (laughs) oh (laughs) but it's so much fun for the first half hour uh, so that's all of the selections for the secondary picture. Uh, what do you think from those for next week? Oh boy, this is a tough, tough choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so any well, questions you have to help further narrow your choices? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just staring at the, uh, at the posters or cover art or whatever on the, on the stacks list, the watch mm-hmm. stacks, which you can find it on um, Letterboxd. I don't have the link. I, uh, I include the link, the link uh, to the stacks ah, excellent. in the show you notes. You can see the link below. <laughs> or In the show notes. Yes. Um, so I'm thinking, oh gosh, I really don't know. Um, you kind of sold me on the sect. That's the one with a whole bunch of crazy shit thrown in, right? That one is probably the, the single like craziest of the... Like, I would say Vampire Motorcycle and the sect are both high-grade craziness all the way through. All right, well, I'll do... Let's let's do the sect. All right, the sect. Cool. Uh, starring Kelly Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis's sister. Oh. Interestingly cool. enough. Yeah. Uh, All right, so now the additions to the stacks, the new movies uncovered by these. Uh, Not a lot, because uh, most of these are from just two different ones. Uh, So there is Rancho Deluxe, which is a movie about Jeff Bridges and Sam Waterston as hippie cattle rustlers in the early 70s. So like when both of them were really young. So Sam Waterston, uh, you'd know from Law & Order. Okay, yeah. Uh, He's sort of the main... Prosecutor, or not prosecutor, uh, maybe he's prosecutor or defender? I'm not sure. Prosecutor, I think. Guy. Yeah, Jeff Bridges, his name sounds familiar. Has he done anything <laughs> I know? You might know him <laughs> in a few things as a stoner a guy. <laughs> uh, so it's him as just like this this stoner cattle wrestler. So he's just like stealing cattle in Montana in the 70s. Uh, and it's also got like Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, you got Slim Pickens. Uh, all sorts of people in it. Uh, and it's directed by Frank Perry, uh, written and directed by Frank Perry, who did Ladybug, Ladybug. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, supposed to be a really great film, uh, but that is not one I have seen yet. 
we've got Invaders of the Lost Gold, which is set in the Philippines. It's about a World War II Japanese platoon who had millions in stolen gold uh, get massacred by headhunters right at the beginning. And then it picks up in the 80s with an expedition to find it. Uh, so it's like an 80s style jungle adventure movie, very like hard exploitation, lots of crazy gore, really interesting uh, exploitation cast. Uh, you got Woody Strode. You've got Harold Oddjob Sakata again, who mm-hmm. was in uh, one of those, one of the Adamson pictures I watched recently. Uh, Laura Gemser, known as uh, known for playing Emmanuel. A whole bunch of cool people. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, also known as Horror Safari. Just a bunch of crazy jungle adventure nonsense. Looks really fun. All right. I uh, got Fiend next. Uh, Fiend is a Don Doler picture. Uh, I probably have not seen any Don Doler. I think this movie has been covered on Red Letter Media, however. Okay. Uh, it is a movie about... Uh, so a zombie is awoken from his grave uh, just outside of Baltimore in like the Baltimore suburbs. And uh, he takes a job as a music teacher... <laughs> as you do and just you know at night he you know eats people (laughs) okay okay very low budget supposed to be absolutely ridiculous uh like i said you know it was a red letter media i think it was a best of the worst uh but i have not seen that one yet i've been meaning to check it out looks really fun uh next one in the carpenter films is assault on precinct 13 very famously uh sort of a remake of Rio Bravo about a police station, which is put under siege by a gang after one of their members is arrested. Uh, and it's just like this apocalyptic eighties or seventies New York gang violence. So just the police station is completely uh, cut off from the rest of the world. And uh, they like, they cut off the electricity and they just lay siege to the place. Really cool movie, incredible soundtrack. Uh, unbelievably assured proper debut picture because like dark star was a student film right uh yeah awesome did john carpenter do the music for this one yes he did he did the music for dark star as well oh okay Uh, he does the music for almost all of his movies uh as he's often said uh no one can do it as well for as cheap as himself Well, he's not wrong. He is not wrong. I love his soundtracks. He's one of the greatest composers of like film music in the past 50 years. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. And last one added is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which will wrap up that box set. It's the last one with the original cast, and it kind of just wraps up the original cast. Uh, The big thing is it's the one that sets up the peace treaty between the Federation and the Klingon Empire to set up next gen. Oh, cool. So this now this being an even numbered one is one of the one of the uh, generally received as good ones. Yeah, this one is pretty well liked uh, and and especially to wrap up the series after how much everyone hated number five. (laughs) And, And I would say that I don't hate number five. Five is just kind of a boring drag the way it sort of pans out it's got some fun stuff at the end it's got a lot of fun stuff at the beginning but it's just kind of a bore in the middle okay but, but uh, six is really good 
Six is, I don't remember. Honestly, I don't know if I've seen six since my childhood. I oh, watch wow. one through four a bunch. Uh, I think five and six, this is both of them. It's like the first time I've watched them in forever. Okay. Cause I actually, I did see at least part of six when I was really young, but I don't remember much either. Yeah. I have only very minor recollection other than it being a more satisfying conclusion for the cast than five. All right. Uh, so that's, those, those are all the additions. Not a lot there. Uh, so what do we want to do for our overall picture next week? Well, um, a lot of options. Yes, there are. Are there any, are there any genres we haven't really gotten into yet? I'm trying to think. Lots of stuff, I suppose. Like, yeah. I mean, we, we've only done, this is what, nine, episode nine? Something like that. I believe so. Uh, we, we've done a lot of Asian cinema, interestingly. True. That's kind of been one of our big focuses so far. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we have, actually, because we've done, okay, so we've done a lot of that. Uh, we've also done weird, trippy, obscure indie films, a lot of that. <laughs> That's a big part of my collection. Hey, I'm not complaining. Crazy uh, exploitation nonsense is my bread and butter. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the list and anything jumping out to thoughts you have. I've I've heard people talking about people under the stairs. What is this? I'm clicking on the link now. And so I'm that's a to... Wes Craven film. Okay. Oh, uh, here we go. I've got I've got the tagline, or at least the the tagline on the letterbox page in every neighborhood there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid well that didn't deserve that voice but i yeah. it's, it's one i've not seen in many years uh but i do remember it being pretty creepy uh okay. it, you know it's it's you know a creepy house movie uh obviously there i i believe it's a house where people are kept under the stairs like the i i think it might have kind of a slavery allegory to it if i remember correctly it's a very dark one all right well how do you feel about that one yeah i'm into it i have not watched in a long time i do love some wes craven he's one of the big horror guys he did now he did scream right he did I'll... scream and nightmare on elm street most famously oh, oh okay right on so we so this is All like right. in between those. This is like circa 91. Uh, this is sort of his last big one before his big resurgence with Scream. Okay, let's let's do that one. All right. Cool. I know we've we've done horror already, but we'll do lots of horror. In, in we'll fact, we'll do lots of lots. Yeah, it's it's August. Uh, we've got September, and then October is going to be exclusively horror. Oh, oh, okay. Because well, I don't I watch can... anything except horror. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe after this one, we'll take a break from horror, or yeah, we'll take a little break from horror for a bit. Maybe to, a little. Maybe a little. Uh, probably not really. I I would say at least horror themed in October. It doesn't necessarily have to be a horror movie but it needs to at like least halloween have... three halloween three i i would even say halloween three is a horror movie even if it is kind of funny but like i i would say like a kaiser uh, a kaizu 
kaiju movie would be a horror movie even though like usually they are not played as horror it's about the horror of a gigantic monster who's destroying a city so i would still consider it technically within the realm of horror we we since it's all i watch for 31 days and i watch a lot of movies you gotta give some some leeway yeah (laughs) fair enough otherwise you might run out <laughs> well, I watch a lot of stuff multiple times. There there are my go-tos that I watch every year. Well, anyway, yes. we will get to that in uh about a, about 2 months time. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening everyone out there and uh keep watching the stacks. Good night.